the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. bring a sermon to you this morning. Uh, I've had to rearrange our, our, our normal schedule. What is normal here? Uh, I've had to rearrange our normal schedule because it really felt like the Lord wanted me to bring some specific teachings to our congregation. So open up your Bibles to the book of Exodus. It's only your second book in. Genesis, the book of beginnings, that's the first one. And then you get to Exodus. It's right there. So you got the leather and then the contents and then boop, boop, there you are, Exodus. Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to tell you a story Many of you may be familiar with, I don't know, but I want to tell you a story in the Old Testament, and uh, it's about the Israelites, the Jews, God's people, that's us, we are God's people, we have been grafted in according to Romans 11, we've been grafted into the tree of life, right? And so here's what happens, way early on in in their history, the Israelites are stuck in Egypt. They've been there for 400 years as slaves. They've been working for Pharaoh. He's really beating them down. It's a bad situation, really gnarly situation. And God hears the groans of slavery in Egypt, and he promises a deliverance. We're like, what? Okay, so watch this. Chapter 6, join with me, please. Exodus chapter 6, look at this. You can open it up on your phones. I know it's there, right? You got the Bible app on your phone. You want to see this. Chapter 6, verse 6, he says this. Therefore, God speaking, I want you to say this to the people of Israel. I am the Lord... And I'm going to free you, listen to this, I'm going to free you from your oppression. I'm going to rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I'm going to redeem you, catch this, with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I'm going to claim you as my own people in verse 7. I'm going to be your God. And then you're going to know that I'm the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. And then in verse 8, I'm going to bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'm going to give it to you. As your very own possession, I'm the Lord. Let me be very clear with who's talking to you, right? He said, here's what I'm going to do. I want to tell you about this. And then, starting in chapter 7, God begins a rescue operation that's facilitated by Butt Moses. Anybody remember Butt Moses in December? Butt Moses. Butt Moses is back. Here he, he's going he's to make a performance here. Here he comes now. If, by the way, if you didn't get to hear that first teaching in December, go on to iTunes. You'll enjoy it. It was a good teaching, right? But Moses, Merry Christmas for that one, right? Moses starts facilitating this amazing rescue operation, and God brings a series of unmatched air, ground, and amphibious assaults. It, it's amazing. I mean, we are talking truly shock and awe, okay? And here are 10 incredible tactical, tactical maneuvers brought onto the land of Egypt, okay? Watch this. In, in, in chapter 7, it starts with a plague of blood, and these are all plagues. There's 10 plagues. Plague of blood. He turns the river uh, Nile into blood, and then a plague of frogs. You imagine all the frogs are getting out of the river because it turned to blood, so they're all over the land, right? And then, and then a plague of gnats. And then a plague of flies. You ever watch those videos, you know, where they show the little African child with a fly eating the water out of their eyes, and you're like, ugh. Imagine just, the Bible says it was so many flies that it's dark. It's just, ugh. okay, okay. A plague of flies, and then chapter 9, a plague of livestock. Oh, my gosh, it's really bad. It's really bad, the plague on livestock. And then the sixth plague, festering boils. Oh, 
Festering boils, right? It, it continues a plague of hail. So God sends down hail, Whoa, kills, I mean, all the crops in Egypt. And if that wasn't enough, anything that's left standing is by the eighth plague of locusts. They come in and eat whatever's left, right? And then he continues a plague of darkness. The Bible says that in the land of where the Israelites are staying, where all the Jews are staying here, it was like a curtain, like you could walk out of the land where the Jews are and you would pass over and you'd be in total darkness. There was a, a curtain, the Bible says, where light was on one side and darkness was on the other. And where the Egyptians lived, it was night. That's what this plague was. It was just pitch black. But you could walk over to where the Jews live and the sun is out. Bizarre, right? Okay, that's the plague of darkness. And then this last one, that was the ninth one. The tenth one is this plague, uh, the death of Egyptians, uh, the, uh, Egypt's firstborn. And what happens here is amazing because God causes what is called a Passover. And he says, listen, my people are set apart, and here's the way I want you to set apart. I'm not going to get into all the details, but some of us have celebrated Passovers. I, I grew up as a Catholic celebrating Passover, you know, it's one of those things, right, my home. And, uh, and so, but Passover happens, and as that happens, death comes to the firstborn of everything and everyone in all of Egypt. You can read about it all in chapter 12. So much so, God says, hey, listen, this is so amazing, what I've just led you through these 10 plagues. I want you to remember this, and I want you to celebrate Passover every year. And so he gives these instructions. He says, here's the way you celebrate Passover. Here's what you're going to do, because I want you to remember, listen to this, I need you to remember my deliverance. Don't forget this, what I've done for you. Are, you. are you listening? Are you watching? Because I need you to remember this. So every year, in order for you to remember what I've done, every year, I need you to do this thing. And he said, just like I took the firstborn of all of Egypt, I want you, Israelites, I want you to dedicate your firstborn to me. I took all the firstborn of Egypt, but the firstborn of the Israelites, they belong to me. And I want you to dedicate your firstborn to me, that they will serve me, that they will be mine. And so he does this, right? And so now, and I'm halfway through chapter 13, this little narration, but then all of a sudden we, we catch what's happening. In chapter 13, verse 17, watch what happens. The, the paragraph is titled, in my Bible anyway, Israel's wilderness detour. And the word detour is translated 40 years later. Right? I'm like, really? That's a detour? Watch what happens. Listen to this. When Pharaoh, verse 17, finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people faced, are faced with a battle, they're going to change their minds and return to Egypt. So God then led them in a, here it is, a roundabout route. <laughs> I'm like, really? Roundabout? What does that, 40 years later is roundabout, okay? We're like praying, God, don't put me on a roundabout route, right? He leads in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites leave Egypt like an army. And so here's what happens, this, this, this roundabout, right? So let me bring you, so, so, so everybody followed the 10 plagues. I, I kind of narrated it pretty quickly. Then they've left Egypt. And now they're in the middle of the wilderness, right? Not on the main road, but they've gone to the wilderness. And they're facing the Red Sea. And the Bible starts out in chapter 14. It says, Pharaoh changes his mind. Pharaoh goes, you know, this, this is nutters. What was I thinking, right? Who's going to do all my building Who's going to clean my streets, clean up the Nile River, all the blood that's all? i got to have those guys back. Let's go get the Jews. So he gets, hey, chariots, right? Chariots, everybody, gather the chariots. We're going to go get the Jews, right? So they start hot pursuit of the Jews. 
Now watch this. Here, here we are. We're the Jews, right? Okay. Red Sea in front of me. Mountains on my right, your left. Mountains on the right. Mountains on the left. And the chariots of Pharaoh behind us. Oh, man. What seems like a hopeless situation. It's like shooting fish in a barrel, right? Let's get that one, right? They're going to go, oh, this is easy. They're completely trapped. Dead end. They got nowhere to go. We got them now. And they are trapped. And, it, and it, 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 here comes the test. Remember why God wanted the Passover celebrated? Because he wanted us to remember. Anytime you hear the word remember, the Lord's serious about that because he's going to bring a test about to make sure that we remember. Isn't that what tests are for? And there begins a test in chapter 14. It's just a big pop quiz. That is your first First blank on your notes this morning. God's life is like a pop quiz, and God wants to know, do you trust me? That's always, listen, that is always the answer to every test that you're in. Hear me now, just so you know. If you're in a test, if you're in a trial, if you're in a time of troubles, here's what God wants to know. Do you trust me? Any trial you're in, anything you go through, this is the answer. Ready? Here it is. I trust you you. Done. Three words. It's the answer to every test in life. I trust you, Lord. Now, what better way to prove that you've learned something than to perform a task based on what you've been learning, right? And that's what happens here. And so let me get into the conversation that happens here in regards to the test. Everybody knows when a test begins, everybody's supposed to like shut up and just do the test, right? That's not what happens here. Check this out. In verse, uh, in verse 11, the, the Israelites approach Moses and they go, why'd you bring us out here? Chapter 14, verse 11. Why'd you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why'd you make us leave Egypt? Um, plagues 1 through 10. Uh, that wasn't me, right? God's delivering you. Yeah, well, now we're all going to die. All the chariots over there, the mountains, the red right. Oh, I hate me sometimes. Does that, sound, does that sound like you? We've already forgotten the Passover. We haven't even made it to the first year out, right? Every year I want you to celebrate Passover. I haven't even gotten to the first year, and I've already forgotten what? All oh, the graves. There were so many graves for us in Egypt. Could you bring us out here to die? Watch Moses' response. You're going to love this. But Moses, there he is, verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today are never going to be seen again. The Lord himself is going to fight for you. Just stay calm. Do you hear what he's addressing? We're all going to die. Egyptian graves into graves in the wilderness. Stay calm. But that's, the people are having nothing to do with that, right? Not only do the people are talking in this testing time, not only is Moses talking, but then the Lord speaks in. The Lord goes, okay, I'm done listening to you people. The teacher stands up. Right? When, when talking starts, when t the test papers are out, and hey, 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 teacher stands up and says what? Shut up, right? Oh, no, watch, watch what he says. It's kind of like that, but watch this. <laughs> then verse 15, watch this. The teacher speaks. The Lord says to Moses, in the middle of the test, right? You guys are supposed to be taking a test right now. 
Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to move their heinies. That's what get moving in the original Hebrew means. Move your heinies, okay? Tell the people to move their keisters, right? Pick up, this is, my, this is some of my favorite theology right here. Pick up your stick and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. I, I tell you, I, I love this stuff because this is, this is the way God functions with us. We do the easy stuff. He does the difficult stuff. Pick up the stick. Look, I can, I can pick up a stick. Good. Whoosh. And here's what happens. They get moving. <laughs> because rem remember where we're at? Red Sea, mountains, mountains, chariots, right? All right? Whoosh. And I know you've probably seen the cartoons where the whales, that wasn't happening. That, that's not what was happening here, okay? But here's what is happening. The Bible says that the Israelites crossed on dry ground. Now, I know, for me, the first thing I picture is, you know, sloshing through where the Red Sea was. But the water goes, the Bible says, it gives this word that the water stands up. And the people of Israel cross on dry ground. And soon they get to the other side, and they're like, dang, that was awesome, right? And they're like, whoa, but Pharaoh's army's still coming for us. And then, and it like, put your stick down. Okay. And the water sat down. And the Bible says that all of the Egyptian army was destroyed. Like that. I'm like, Phew. I mean, it, it's amazing. Now, it, that whole battle right there is summed up right here in chapter 14, verse 30. Look at this. That's how the Lord rescued Israel. I kind of summed it up for you that day. He rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. And the Israelites saw the body of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. And the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed. Didn't they already see that in Egypt? Didn't we already watch that 10 plagues ago? I mean, we think, you know, Toy Story 4, really? There needs to be a... Listen, this is, this is deliverance from Egypt 11. Part 11. You talk about a series of movies. It's amazing. Okay, so here he says, he says, Oh man, the people of Israel saw the mighty power of the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians. Listen to what they did. They were filled with awe before God. And they put their faith in the Lord and his servant Moses. And then the next 20 verses record a song of deliverance. I mean, chapter 15 just, just, just rolls out and goes, and here's what the people sang. And they record all the lyrics for us right here on Spotify, right? And here it is. You have all the lyrics. It's amazing. In fact, I'm, I'm going to read just the first two verses, okay? Watch this. There, there's a, it's a whole song, but I'm just going to read these first two verses. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song. After they put their trust and their faith in the Lord and his servant Moses, right? They sang this song to the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider thrown into... Anybody remember that one? Sunday school? Come on with me. Come on. Oh, come on. I got, I got to do me some teaching here. Okay. There's a great song. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. 
Right? A great song. He continues, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God. I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. That's a, these are kicking lyrics. This is way before like Hillsong and Bethel. These guys were writing down the lyrics here, okay? This is a worship song. This is moving. It's an amazing thing. And the people of Israel offer this incredible song of praise. But I want us to hear this today. I need you to hear this today. I believe they did it on the wrong side of the Red Sea. It was the right song on the wrong side. Here's this huge song of praise. God is so good. God is so faithful. God is amazing. That's what God was the test. Here's the test. That's what God was wanting to hear when the Red Sea, the mountains, the mountains, and Egypt's chariots are here. I want to hear, who do you trust? Do you trust me? No! Why'd you bring us out of here? There were so many graves in Egypt. Now we're all going to die. Then after they're doing, oh, God is so good. Anybody can shout God is good all the time after the victory. That's easy. The question God was asking then, and I believe he is asking us today is, will you praise me while you're in the midst of the battle? Uh, no. I believe that that's something that God, the reason for that detour, right? The wilderness detour. He said, you know, I, I don't want them to think that they go into battle, they're going to give up. They're going to turn around and go back to Egypt. Remember, he's trying to work something out. I believe that's something he was trying to work out of his people was a slavery mindset. I, I like to joke around about it, but I call it, I call it the spirit of Eeyore. Oh, man. It's bad today. It's only going to get worse. You know, we, we even have, we, we have a f- phrase that we like to use for this, this, what I call this slavery mindset. You ready? You're going to complete it for me. When it rains, there it is. That is a slavery mindset. Oh, man, you think it's bad today? Wait till this afternoon. Oh, yeah, God's forgot about us. First in the history of humanity, yeah, I've been praying for months, nothing's going to happen. There's an oppression that has taken place to the people of Israel. After spending 400 years in Egypt as slaves, there is a mindset that's going on. There's an outlook. And so you know what happens? You know what God does? Another quiz. That's right. At the end of chapter 15, they arrive at an oasis. Everybody loves an oasis, right? Check it out. The oasis. Praise the Lord. <laughs> this bitter water. They call it Mara, right? Oh, this nasty. What the heck? Why'd you bring us out of Egypt just to die at thirst? It starts all over again. End of chapter 15. You can read it. Same test. You ever go through tests and you go, really? Didn't I already get this done? Really, Lord? Didn't I already have this test? Didn't we already work on this? Apparently not. Or we wouldn't be in the test again, right? And so here we are, and, and here and here the beauty, Moses, put your stick in the water. <laughs> it's awesome, the stick. God, I wish I had one of these sticks, right? Take the stick. Boom. Oh, the water's so good. Oh, God, it's so faithful. <laughs> Cheers. Applause. Roar. But no, right there at the beginning of chapter 16, we're so hungry, we're going to die. We're out in the middle of the wilderness. There's no meat to eat. Raise your stick. Quail. Manna. 
I'm like, really? And they go, what, what do you, what'd they do? Oh, yeah, God is so good. Oh, yeah, he's so faithful. And yet, beginning of chapter 17, there it is, another exam. This time, we're out in the wilderness. We're so thirsty, we're going to die. Ah, Moses, take the stick, touch the rock. Oh, stick, rock. Ah, water comes out. Oh, God is so good. Oh, thank you. Story, please read the story. This is what's happening. God is testing them over and over and over and over again. God is testing his people. And you know what he's testing them on? Do you remember what he's testing them on? Go back. Exodus chapter 6. Let's go back. This is what he was testing. I'm going back several pages here, right? Chapter 6, verse 6. Here's the test. Are you listening? You need to know this. Open book test. Here's the exam. I'm going to ask you about this later. This is going to be on your test. Write this down. Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I'm going to free you from your oppression. I'm going to rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I'm going to redeem you with a powerful arm. I'm going to have great acts of judgment. I'm going to claim you as my own people. I'm going to be your God. And then you're going to know that I'm the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I'm going to bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. That's what I want you to remember. But every time they were faced with, oh, we're all going to, uh, yeah, God forgot about it. No, I need, chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. I need you to remember this. There are two sides to all of our trials and temptations, all the trials that we have, the troubles that we have. There is the testing side, and there's a lot of darkness, and there's a lot of hopelessness. And then there's the breakthrough side where you have the victory and the deliverance. I have a question for you this morning. Are you going through a difficult time? I'm going to let you decide. I'm going to let you define difficult. Because I know what happens as soon as you bring this up. I want to talk difficult. I'll tell you about difficult. Yeah, that's nothing. I can totally outdo you on the difficult party. I got difficult. You want to hear what's going on in my life? <laughs> well, not only did the refrigerator break down, but then the dryer broke down, and then my car had to go into the mechanic, and I'm, I'll tell you about difficult. Because when it rains, <clears throat> when it rains, but we can't remember Exodus chapter 6, 6 through 8. Because there's a few more words. It's just easier to say when it rains, it pours. But that's a slavery mindset. God says, I want to get a mindset into you that I am the Lord. I am the one who delivers you. I am the one. I'm the strong one. There's no one stronger than me. I am amazing. Frogs and gnats and locusts and hail. It's me. It's amazing. (laughs) When it rains, it pours. If you're going through a difficult time, I want to encourage you to do something today. Sing a song of deliverance. Praise the Lord for rescuing you right now. Knowing, listen to this, knowing that he hasn't, but that he's going to. 
That's what was happening here. But he hasn't. And I got to tell you, I, I can hear now, but it's so hard to sing songs of praise and deliverance when you're hurting so badly. I, I do understand that. When we're unemployed, when our children aren't doing well, we're in trouble, we're facing all kinds of problems. I mean, who wants to sing praises? Paul encouraged us in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Look what he says. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? That's, that's the starting question. Hey, quiz, test, here it is, remember? The exam, here it is. Can anything separate you from Christ's love? Yes. Uh, he no longer loves us when we have trouble. He doesn't love us when we have calamity. God's love is separated from us when we are persecuted. Whenever I'm hungry, God doesn't love me anymore. In fact, when I'm destitute, I know God doesn't love me. And when I'm in danger or threatened with death, yes, that's when it is. Let, let me read it for you. I, I want to read you uh, another version. of. Oh, I left it over there. Let me get it for you. I, I put it in my book. I want to read this. I, I put this prayer out for us. I found it so fun. Even though my job is finished and I have no immediate work, this, this is our verse. This is what Paul said in Romans. This is what Marty says. First Marty, right? Here it is. Even though my job is finished, I have no immediate work. And though my freezer is empty of any food, and I don't have any gas in my car, and though I've used up my 401k, and my social security is bankrupt, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. That's what that's saying. But see, we use all those things to say, God doesn't love us anymore. Yeah, God doesn't love us. Beloved, you need to hear this, and I said it last week. God doesn't see, and it's, I've put it here on your notes, he doesn't see things the way we do. His perspective is radically different from ours. Isaiah 55 says this. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So high, like the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways above the way you think and do things. We're not the same. We, we don't think the same at all. His perspective is different from ours. And he goes, why are you complaining? He's got a stick. Don't complain about the waters. He's got a stick. I gave him a stick. Was it God being heartless when he said, get your hineys moving? Come on, what are you standing around? What are you whining to me about? That's what he said. Why are you whining? Why, why are you complaining to me? Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to move it. And not being, just not caring. L let me be very clear. He cares about our human trials. He cares about what we're going through, the stuff that hurts us. Many of us are in the hardest place of our lives right now. Many of us are facing things that are unimaginable. And I can't imagine some of the pain that people are in in this room. We have the doctor say, it's the C word. We have the husband say, I'm done. The wife say, I'm out. The kids say, I need rehab. And we go, God, what do you do? Praise the Lord. As soon as you get it in your mind, as soon as you go, really? I thought I learned this lesson already. As soon as you say that, here's the key. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider thrown into the sea. Right? See, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. I know you haven't done it yet, but you're going to get me through this too. Because you've been faithful in the past, you're going to be faithful today and in the future. And I'm going to make that statement right now in the middle of everything I'm going through. 
we need to keep in mind. We need to remember to keep moving. Many of us just kind of like, sit down. Oh, man. We call that a pity party. God hates me. I think I'll eat some worms, right? I mean, that's what's going on. In Exodus chapter 15, God was clear about it. He said this, verses 25, 26. He said, listen, if you will listen carefully. Uh, no, I'll back up. Moses cried out to the Lord. Hey, show me, show me. And Moses throws a piece of wood. Remember the waters of Marah? He takes the wood and makes the water sweet to drink. And it was there at Marah that the Lord set before them this following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. Really? The bitter waters are are a test? Why couldn't you just make the water sweet? Because you haven't learned the lesson yet. In school, we learn a lesson and then take a test. In life, we often take the test and then learn the lesson. Huh? But we've been given all the answers. I want you to know, right here, chapter 6, it was so important to me, I highlighted it. Come back to chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. I will deliver. That's who I am. I am a delivering God. I'm the one who's powerful, more powerful than anything else. I control it all. I call creatures to my submission. Locusts, whoosh. Flies, whoosh. Frogs, whoosh. Gnats, whoosh. Festering boils. One, two, three, four, five. This is God. I gotta, I gotta remember that. Because I'm in the middle of a place where I want to sit down. I want to say, forget it. But that's when we need to say to the Lord, you can do this. You delivered me before. You're going to do it again. You can deliver me now. And I'm going to rest in joy that you've got this. Any doubter can sing after the testing has passed and the victory has come. Any doubter can do that. But it's on the testing side that the Lord wants us to learn to sing his praises. Please know, you need to know this. The world around us is watching our response to our troubles. They're like, hmm, I hear you. Oh, you're one of those church people, right? Uh-huh. I, I hear what you say. I hear you talk about God. Let's see how you handle trial. Let's see how you handle trouble. Let's see how you handle these things going on in your life. They're, they're watching, and they're wanting to know this. Is this thing that you call faith, not religion, faith, is it real? Just want to know, because you can be sure, and this is in your notes, if they know you're a Christian, they're going to demand a song from you. They will demand a song. I know you're thinking, how do they do that? I want you to see what the psalmist says in Psalm 137. Our captors, that means we are what? Prisoners. Our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors. Some of you would define these people as my boss, my co-workers, my neighbor. Listen, tormentors and captors insist on a joyful hymn. Yeah, let's see what you think about your God now, huh? Go ahead, tell me about how faithful he is, huh? Yeah, that's what I thought. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. Oh, God is good. There's a whole section in the book of Psalms called the Songs of Ascent. 
the Songs of Ascent because the temple of God in Jerusalem, if you, anybody ever been to Jerusalem, beautiful. The temple is up on a mountain and they were these songs that they sang as they went to temple. It's called Songs of Ascent. If you ever see it in the Psalms, it's a beautiful section. It says, oh, this is what we sing before we get to church. And they sing all these songs as they're walking up to this hill and the temple is up on the top. Why don't you sing us one of those songs, huh? Oh yeah, God is good, right? Yeah, that's what you were saying last week. Not so much anymore. How do you like this layoff, huh, Mr. Christian? Oh yeah, oh, I'm a Christian. I hear you gossip. I hear what you do in the, in the break room. Yeah, right. <laughs> Faith, tell me all about it. As they're being carried away, these guys say, hey, why don't you sing me a song? And it's not in them. I gotta, I'm sure. I'm, if I was being tormented, I'm sure that that's depression. I'm sure that that's despair. I'm sure that's a hopelessness. Our captors, why don't you sing me a song? Beloved, there is a song that can be sung, but it must be sung on the right side. There is a song. Anybody can praise the Lord after the victory is won. But the Lord is longing to hear the song on the testing side. You are faithful. Not you will be faithful. You are faithful because God doesn't change. I've been pointing to this. We see it every week, right? He isn't changing. God has been faithful, is faithful, will be faithful. So therefore, we don't sing, God, you will be faithful. No, God, you are faithful. Every crisis that we face right now is an opportunity for us to learn to trust God. This is your last blank. We must learn to sing the song of deliverance on the testing side of troubles. Take out your phone. You're going to be reminded of that. There it is. I've got to learn to sing the songs of deliverance on the testing side of trials and troubles. The songs that we must sing are that God is faithful and able to take us through this trial that we're in. God is trying to build a foundation in us for everything that's about to come, for what's about to happen this afternoon, for what's about to happen tomorrow. God says, hey, do you trust me? The answer to every quiz is what? I trust you. That's the answer to every quiz. And God is trying to build that foundation. And he's trying to give us a testimony of what to say when the trial starts. Praise the Lord. See, I was saying praise the Lord before the trial started. I was saying praise the Lord when the trial is happening. I'm saying praise the Lord after the trial's over. God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. That's what I'm doing. And unless we, unless the things that we say that we believe work in the hard times, then it's useless. When things get tough, you know what we do? We go shopping. I don't know if we have the money. Cha-ching, we do now. Oh, don't worry about it. Washing machine, waka, dryer, freezer, hot water heater, dishwasher. We, God, I, I could borrow from tomorrow. God says, listen, listen, do you trust me? Nope. I don't. So, this, go ahead, fill in whatever it is. God says, I want to bring you peace. I can't wait. I need to have three or four beers when I get home. I need to have some drinks. When I listen, just ask yourself, what am I doing that's pushing back the provision of the Lord in my life to bring peace and comfort and grace 
He says, I'm trying to work this thing into you. I don't trust you, so I'm going to drink my way to peace. So I feel better. I've had a really hard day. I need to have this. I need to have this liquor, whatever it, whatever it is. Listen, don't, don't, don't get distracted. There's nothing wrong with alcohol. There's something wrong with too much alcohol. Or, listen, there's something wrong with the reasons we drink alcohol. I just need to relax. I just need to, I just need to tone down. I'm so uptight. Okay, be careful. Careful, because God's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust Jack? We've got to ask the question. We've got to ask the question. Habakkuk 3, 17 says this. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, even though there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields are empty and barren, oh, he continues, listen to this. Even though the flocks of the fields die, uh, the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. This is my prayer again. Here it is. Doesn't matter what goes on. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to keep doing this. God is asking to hear our song of deliverance. Let's give it to him this morning in our praise. The world is asking about our song of hope. Let's let them hear it in our worship this morning. Let's give God our problems, all of our faith, all of our trust, and he will give us the right song on the right side. And I want you to know, it's not going to be easy, but it will be worth it. Let me pray. Father, you have much in store for us. I know you do. I ask in Jesus' name, walk with us. We sing these songs. Help us align our thoughts and mind today. In Jesus' name.